The first reading is taken from Acts, chapter 7, verses 54 to the end. The Stoning of Stephen When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 1 to 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. This is the word of the Lord. 
In today's Gospel reading, Jesus is in the midst of what's often known as his farewell discourse. He's about to leave his friends and wants to help them make sense of all that's about to happen. The stakes of the journey he's about to make are tremendous, and his explanations have caused understandable grief. In this passage, we hear Jesus offering words of comfort and assurance that his imminent departure won't ultimately separate him from his friends forever, actually quite the opposite. But in a few short hours, life for the disciples was going to fall apart. Their world was going to collapse in chaos all around them. And the promise of hope and these words of Jesus would find a whole new unimaginable context. In John 14 verse 1, we hear Jesus say this, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. It's been said that this verse could well be entitled a manual for stress management, a remedy for anxious and troubled hearts. And remember, this verse comes right after Jesus' revelation to Peter that he's about to deny his Lord. I mean, Peter didn't believe he was capable of such a thing. He's standing there gobsmacked and without pausing a beat, Jesus continues to speak into the middle of his confusion and pain, his bewilderment, with these words of hope. Yet Jesus' words about troubled hearts aren't addressed to Peter alone. The plural is used here for your. Do not let your hearts be troubled. It includes all who hear, the rest of the disciples, the rest of us, you and me. And in these days of lockdown, we need to hear him say those words to us. And let's be honest, I can really understand why those disciples would be greatly troubled. They weren't ignorant of the mounting outrage that Jesus was stoking up, and that the priests and the religious rulers were out to trap him, to put him to death. The disciples had witnessed both the rapture and the fury that Jesus had invoked by his life and words. Remember, these were the same disciples who had argued amongst themselves about who was the greatest of them before Jesus, by washing their feet, had opened their eyes and no doubt enlarged their shame. Confronted and confused, puzzled by the sudden disappearance of Judas and terrified that their master was going to be taken from them, dread and confusion would have been written all over their faces, especially when Jesus begins to talk of his departure. So with fear gripping the disciples' minds, they try and make sense of the turmoil they find themselves in. Do not let your hearts be troubled, says Jesus. Some 2,000 years later, in the middle of a global pandemic, how do these same words resonate the world over today? No doubt for many, the promise of a place that Jesus has prepared for them brings hope or peace. But maybe others might be more like Thomas, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? They might add, how could you leave us in the midst of all this? What I guess I'm not prepared to do and what no preacher I think should do from the relative safety and comfort of our warm, dry, well-fed homes is to offer trite, emotionless sound bites or glib cliches. In the current circumstances with anxiety, financial pressure, and the real reality of loss and death all around us, all of our hearts should be troubled in some ways, 
we should be asking questions, sharing our pain and maybe our anger, turning to God for understanding, insight, help. The question is, where do we end up resting, staying, abiding? Is it in our fear, our anger, our loss? Does that become the home in which we finally reside? So for me, I find great consolation in the context of these words in John, which Jesus spoke as he prepared for his own death, knowing full, full well that his friends would soon be overcome with the tragedy of loss and despair. These words for me have, again, taken on real significance as I use them today at the funeral of a relatively young man here in Bath. These very words of Jesus offered hope to a family grieving loss, to a mother, to brothers and sisters trying to make sense of their pain in the midst of their bereavement. If you know me, says Jesus, you will know my father also. So many in these troubled days are looking to find something to hold fast to, something to anchor them as the sand continually seems to shift beneath their feet. Some might have traditionally looked to wealth to stabilise them. Pension pots, luxury holidays, travelling, expensive shopping, investments. For others, they've looked to the regular assurance of good health, physical security, family or relationships or job security. And the promise of inevitable promotion. For some, joy in life and purpose has been about going out, socialising and partying and then... Suddenly a global pandemic cuts across all of this and the very ground under the feet of the world is shaken. It's not that any of those things in of themselves are wicked or evil, but they were never meant to be the foundation on which we base our lives. After all, human history is littered with the debris of mankind trying to find something other than God which might bring lasting happiness. The words of Jesus in Matthew 7.26 come to mind. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. You know, I'm also reminded of that old hymn, Rock of Ages. It was written by Reverend Augustus Montague Toplady, which is quite a name. In the 1760s, he tells of the time when he was travelling from Blagden, not far away from here, through the gorge at Burrington Coombe, when he was caught in a terrifying thunderstorm. Finding shelter and safety in the crevice of a huge rock, he was inspired as a title and a famous, now famous hymn came to him. He scribbled down the lyrics. Rock of ages cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. If you know me, says Jesus, you'll know my father also. Increasingly, I believe the world is recognising its need for some rock to hold fast to. When all else is stripped away, we need to know a God who can meet us in the pain and offer a pathway to life and purpose, hope and peace. And Jesus is saying, look to me, look at me. I came to reveal the Father, his saving love and power. If you know me, you will know also my Father. And more than that, he goes on to say, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Well, that's quite a claim. And you can't just dismiss it in these days as too narrow, or too uncomfortable to dwell on, not with these real raw matters of life and death right in front of us. I don't think Jesus' words allow us the comfort to do that. You need me, says Jesus. You want a guide, a roadmap for life, a comforter, shelter, a saviour. You want to know God, 
not just about him, but actually know him, be known by him, then I'm the man. I'm the God. And I know for some, that's an unnerving, possibly unreasonable claim. I mean, gentle Jesus, meek and mild is one thing, but claiming to be the way, the truth, no one comes to the Father except through him, that's uncomfortable, right? C.S. Lewis who I love dearly, the famous children's writer and brilliant theologian, famously wrote in his book after he'd become a Christian, God in the Dock. I didn't go to religion to make me happy. I always knew a bottle of port would do that. If you want a religion to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. So maybe today, as we really listen again and look at Jesus, to put ourselves in that upper room, and listen to his actual words like those first disciples did. Perhaps we too might share their unease, their uncertainty, their disquiet. C.S. Lewis again in his book Mere Christianity famously says this to, of those who might like to paraphrase or redact or reduce the words of Jesus to make them more palatable. He said this in his famous quote, I'm going to quote him now. I'm trying to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That's the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He'd either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he'd be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. Lewis goes on to say, you can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronising nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Jesus' words of comfort here, though, to find a dwelling place, are linked intrinsically to St John's use of the word abide. Abide in me, says Jesus. It's an invitation not to avoid the storms that are coming, but to find shelter in the inevitable oncoming storms. To experience his words of life and hope, not from a position of security and power, but more likely from a place of vulnerability. Thomas, who I think probably should really be renamed Honest Thomas, asked the very question I bet loads of the other disciples were thinking. Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus doesn't rebuke him. He simply replies with the greatest revelation about himself that we have in the Gospel of John. I am the way. Notice he doesn't say about himself, I show the way, I teach the truth, I give life. He's not merely a way shower like other great moral teachers or religious leaders. No, Jesus puts it all on the line. When you come to me, you're meeting with God. You have found ultimate reality, ultimate truth, fullness of life. And that's the God to whom we must look in these days. The one we must choose to abide in, not simply because he offers some future certainty of a place with him in eternity, though he does, but because daily he yields and offers himself to us as a rock and firm foundation as we look to him. For though we can't save ourselves, he is our saviour. And may we be daily reminded that the God who saves has been unleashed in the world as love incarnate. A love that drives out fear, a love that lays down its life, a love that conquers death.
A love that always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. A love that never fails. A love that saves. And so is a love that compels us to go and proclaim that saving love to a world that longs to be healed and longs to be truly loved. While I draw this fleeting breath When my eyes shall close in death When I rise to worlds unknown And behold thee on thy throne Rock of ages, cleft for me Let me hide myself, let me hide myself let me hide myself in you. Let me hide myself. Let me hide myself. Let me hide myself in thee. Let me hide myself. Let me hide. Let me hide myself in Lord, direct our thoughts, help us pray, and lift our hearts to worship you in spirit and in truth. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord, in these strange lockdown times, when none of us can meet face to face and worship together, help us to come together, spiritually, and to know that in services like this all over the world, we are coming together and worshipping as one enormous family. Strengthen and inspire all the ministers and lay people the world over who are sharing the word, the hope and the joy of the Lord. And also be with them in their work, looking after all who are suffering from coronavirus and those who worry about or indeed have lost family and friends to it. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, give wisdom, patience and understanding to all in authority in this country. Help everyone to work together and plan together for the well-being of the whole country. God of mercy, we pray for the leaders of all countries of the world as they battle this pandemic. Grant everyone a spirit of cooperation and fellowship so that we can fight this virus together rather than score points off each other and go our own ways. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray especially for those who are not only suffering the effects of the virus, but are also suffering in civil wars and other conflicts, and those who are living in the horrendous crowded conditions of refugee camps and slum cities. Lord, look after your people. Give them strength, comfort, medical attention and hope. Lord, in your mercy hear our prayer. We thank you, Lord, for all the doctors, nurses, carers, carers, ambulance staff, and all frontline medical and caring staff. Keep them safe, give them courage, and help them to know that their inspiration and dedication is seen by you, as well as by all of us. 
We also place in your care all the emergency workers across so many sectors, helping to feed us, keep us safe and keep the country going. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Merciful Father, we seek your blessing on this community, our friends and homes. Nurture in us all a sense of community and care, so that no one gets left out or feels alone. We pray for all those suffering from coronavirus, and particularly all those known to any one of us. Give us strength in this time of enforced separation. Comfort the bereaved, and we thank you, Lord, for those who have come through this virus, and who may still be recovering. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And as spring comes, with sun and blue skies, with beautiful flowers and trees with bright new leaves, fill our hearts with hope and help us, Father, to love one another as we look forward to the day when suffering is ended and all creation is gathered in your loving arms. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. <laughs>